0: Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. This is Variety Deputy Music Editor Jem Aswad, and this week's installment is with Ed Millett and Wendy Ong of Tap Music, the company that oversees the careers of Lana Del Rey, Jua Lipa, Ellie Golding, Caroline Palaček, Noah Cyrus, and many other artists, producers, and songwriters. This conversation was actually a keynote for the Mondo NYC Music and Tech Conference in October and I went in with a bunch of very business-oriented questions. But as you'll see, the conversation quickly went into areas I don't think any of us really expected. Tap's most successful clients are largely female artists, powerful and empowered ones. And as Ed and Wendy were talking about how Lana Del Rey's career grew, they also began speaking about the unfair treatment female artists received from the industry and even from fans and how they as managers can help artists cope with that, especially since there's so much pressure for artists to be active on social media. In fact, they both agree that record label contracts should include provisions for therapy if labels are going to so strongly encourage artists to engage on social media. The Conversation isn't just about that. We also spoke about Jua Lipa's decision to go ahead with the March 2020 release of her Future Nostalgia album just as the pandemic was setting in. Even though the album's party mood was just about as far as possible from the way people were feeling at the time, it won a Grammy and provided a joyful escape for people during a very sad time. The two bring years of experience to their roles at TAP, which Ed and his partner Ben Mawson formed in London in 2010. He had worked in management with the artists Moby and the Kinks Ray Davies, as well as his own band, and Wendy brings an amazingly diverse background. Moving from music industry posts in her native Singapore and Hong Kong to prominent marketing roles in major labels in the U.S. alongside Clive Davis and Diddy. Then she worked at New York's Metropolitan Opera and is CMO of Jay Z's Rock Nation before settling at TAP, where she was named president in 2018. So without further ado, after the break, you'll be hearing from them and me on Strictly Business.
1: what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
2: All that plus so much more.
1: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Grown Up Stuff.
1: Let's take a moment
2: to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. as the number one audio company iheartmedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iheartmedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more
0: welcome back to strictly business this week with ed millett and wendy ong of tap music Conversation starts off with Ed discussing how the company started with Lana Del Rey, whom they discovered in 2009 and went through a, quote, depressing series of record company meetings until her first hit, Video Games, took off online and made her almost
3: literally an overnight sensation. Ben was a music lawyer at the time. So he he is a music lawyer who was out also like sourcing new talent, and I was looking for new talent so we had and we're a similar age so we had sort of a connection over that and um he had met Lana at CMJ which was a conference in New York back in the day um and she was you know in a bad record deal with bad lawyer bad manager and um he started bringing her to London and you know we decided to sort of team up at that point and I, I left my management situation he pretty much left his lawyer situation and lana was really our first client together um and so that would have been 2010 right. um, yeah um and you know and we'd, we'd spent like leading up to that point we'd you know we'd been talking about setting up something together for probably like a year preceding and you know as the type of people we are, although we're very different personality-wise, we have a very similar, like, ethos about artists, really, and, you know, a strong belief in that the artist should be the centre of their business and, you know, in as much creative control as possible and, and that the industry around them should trust that. She, you know, was a different artist and we did, you know, the the record label meetings and all those things, are all super depressing. <laughs> they're like she's too her songs are too slow like you know what's selling at the moment is this like she maybe she do a more up tempo number and like you know just all of this awful stuff and we were just like you know what this is just not this is not who she is she'd written video games and you know to her credit and you know ben and i are not going to take that credit she was like this song is me in song form like this is what i want to put out first and we were like cool (laughs) you know. And a five minute ballad with virtually no chorus, like, you know, but, you know, I'm gonna trust your instincts that this is what you wanna put out to the world first, right? So we were like, let's do it. So we put, you know, we set up a, you know, essentially a non-existent label, but like a little record label and we printed a thousand seven inch vinyls. And she always made these videos and she made this video for video games and we put ble- blue jeans on on the flip and we put it out and, you know, within two days it just went and and we really in all honesty then just held on for dear life for the next 18 months you know it was just like an absolute roller coaster you know it's she you know which is probably something we should talk about later but it was you know there was good and bad in it right and there was like a whole load of stuff going on and she just came from essentially nothing to just being absolutely everywhere and we were just me and Ben and an assistant so we really had to park our ambitions for the company at that point and just be like just look after her do all the things that we can do around her and make sure that her career is looked after as best it can be and you know it was then you know two or three years to the dust settled enough on that
0: Let me ask about Lana first, because obviously she was your first big success. Did she, she to an unusual degree is a self-directed and sort of, you know, she created this, this amazing mystique for herself. It's really one of the most powerful ones that's come along in a couple of decades, I would say. And I remember the way that video game, video games was one of the first viral songs that I can actually remember. You know, it's just like, wait, you heard it where? Because even though you put out the seven inches, it was blowing up on the internet, and that was a fairly new phenomenon. Because this is true of all of your artists, your major ones anyway. That same self direction, do you see yourself more as facilitators than you know, helping to shape their image or shape what they are and all that? You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, put it this way when you start working with anybody, right, like you they come to you with, you know. And it's also down to the type of arts we want to work with right so if like somebody turns up and is like you know i want to i don't know i just want to be really famous and i want to be a pop star and like they don't have any sense of like who that is what is their point of view where they're coming from what they want to say what their visual identity you know they've got to have all of that going on in some form because you know the type of the way of artists careers are now right they're not It's not so controlled. Like, it's not like, oh, they're only seen in a music video and on a TV performance. And it's like, they have to live it, breathe it, be on socials 24-7. So they have to embody what they're doing and it has to come from them. Like, we can't imprint an identity on somebody. Like, that doesn't exist. And, you know, that's what was, I suppose, sad about the way Lana started in one way is like, it was all coming from her, but like, the world did not believe it. You know, there was like a cynicism about whether she wrote the songs. There was a cynicism about having a major label involved. There was a cynicism about the way she looks. There was like, it, there was just everything. No one believed that this girl, and I still, you know, can have, you know, misogynist theories about it, but it's like nobody would believe that this girl could write these songs, make the video herself in her bedroom and put it out into the world and it exploded the way it did. People just like didn't want to believe it. It had to be some like puppet master Svengali situation. And, you know, to my original point that what we do is not about telling someone what to do but what we can say is like, we think this, this and this, like we'll bring you to London or we'll bring you to LA and whatever, put you in writing sessions with good people, help you navigate it, help you finesse what you're doing. We won't put you in a big team of people when you don't yet know who you are. And when you are ready and you can tell me that this is your song, this is your what you want to do in a visual, this is how you want to present yourself to the world, and you can say it with conviction, then that's the moment to move. Because as soon as you enter that, well, before you even enter the world, before, when you enter like the major label system, you're, you've are you suddenly got 50, 100 opinions about what you're doing. And if you're not, if you don't even know what you are yet, then you, it just, you won't stand up to it.
0: I was actually going to use the word misogynist in, in talking about the reactions that Lana, who is a very provocative artist, you know, intentionally provocative. Um, how do you keep that? Well, all right, I'll, I'll sidebar for one second on the story. I actually know one of Lana's college professors who was telling me about what it was like when she was in class and he said that, you know, there was one day, he said she was kind of quiet, you know, not really the persona you see now, but one day she came in and played a couple of songs for the class and everybody was just just gobsmacked because he said they weren't as evolved as they are now, but the lyrics were very, very strong. And I think she's one of the funniest lyrics, lyricists working today. Um, But, you know, she was a bleach blonde. He showed me a photo of her and everything like that. Anyway, even then, he said she had a very strong sense of who she was. But what do you as managers and you as that small team around her do when, like, people are just coming at her so hard? Because the impassioned reactions that she gets from fans go the other way, too. The, The reactions that remind me of Madonna or Nicki Minaj and, you know, people who are confrontational about things um but that brings an awful lot after, and it must be very difficult to be on the receiving end of it how do you keep her focused and not upset by all by all of this i'm sure she's a very strong person but i mean it would catch up with anybody
3: i mean it you know it, and this doesn't just apply to her right like all artists and unfortunately i mean we have a, a a majority female artist roster and um unfortunately female artists just get absolutely annihilated and this happens to all of them right so there's a and for for whatever reason male artists male artists just don't get it you know we've got a male artist Dermot Kennedy and like he's got as you know nearly a million followers on Instagram and he you know there's just not that cynicism about what he does there's not a lack of trust in what he does there's not a questioning of his authenticity it's just accepted that he is coming from a real place and all the female artists you know Dua, Lana, everybody they all face this like constant attack on their character constant attack on their own authenticity and you know there is no hiding from it it is a horrible experience and I, I don't know any artist that genuinely love socials, you know, even, even Doer, who is like, you know, she grew up on socials and it, she's in charge of all her socials and she's, you know, she gets it as bad as everybody else. So it's a, it is a really tough thing for anyone to endure. And it's, a, you know, it's a constant topic of conversation. You know, we've said to labels, you know, they really, they should be as part of the record deal helping fund therapy and, you know, like in no joke, right? Like these, these young kids are taken and put in a position where they're assassinated in public all day, every day and questioned in every form possible. So, you know, it's a, it's a serious point in that there's there's definitely a void of support now in this new world where an artist is at the spearhead of their, there is no barrier between them and people's opinion. And it, it's really tough. Um, so, you know, that applies not just to Lana, but to all of them, really.
4: Yeah. Wendy, is there anything you'd like to add on that point? Because I was just going to say, you know, this this whole situation affects not even just the artists. You know, I'll, we have an in-house digital agency and it was interesting when um, they did a deep dive um, into all our artists' socials and one of the digital managers had only worked on Dermot. So she was only used to like really supportive comments from fans when you look through like Instagram or Twitter. And then she realized that it was the complete opposite to Ed's point, you know, when looking at Lana or Ellie or, or do any of our female artists. And, you know, the comments were so awful that it really does affect the mental health of people who have to police these comments to make sure there's nothing awful or disgusting or out of line you know, in the chat. So I think it's really unfortunate. I think it is misogynistic. Um, I, I don't think it comes from men alone. I think, you know, it, it's across gender. Um, and I think sometimes as well, if we're going to dig a little deep in this, you know, I also, I firmly believe in women supporting women. And I find that harder and harder to come by sometimes because it's becoming such a competition. And I, I'll just say this: I'm I'm always glad and heartened when I when I see great examples of women supporting women. And and I hope to see more and more of that on social media.
0: We'll be right back with Strictly Business, featuring Tap Music's Wendy Young and Ed Millett.
1: What exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
2: All that, plus so much more.
1: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Grown Up Stuff
0: Check the backseat Check the backseat All right,
2: come
4: here.
0: We're back with Strictly Business featuring Tap Music's Ed Millett and Wendy Young. How do you coax or encourage an artist through this stuff? I mean, are there tactics or techniques or things you can do to make them feel better about it? Because I would imagine the younger artists would be more used to it. Somebody like Lil Nas X, I feel, is a kind of a true 21st century pop star in that he completely grew up on the internet and he has mastered it. And he's able to turn the tables on the haters in a real. He's really incredible. Amazing, <laughs> it's fantastic. He's an yeah. example to everybody in that. So how do you help your artists get on top of it in that way? Because it's soul crushing.
3: I mean, it depends, right? I mean, like every personality is different. Like someone like him is- Sharp witted, confident, quick with the comeback, or so it appears, right? So I don't, you know, I don't know how it's affecting him personally in, in real time, you know. So um, everybody is different, and some people are sensitive, some people can brush it off, you know. And we have young artists, we have a young artist who, before she'd actually even released any music, got caught up in somebody misheard a lyric in a demo that she put on SoundCloud and accused her of racism. And it became like this snowballed thing amongst all of not just her community but like in this whole scene she was in and she was getting accused of all this stuff and it's like it was just not even true someone had missed her the lyric and she put the lyrics on her social she did everything she could to counter it and she you know she's 20 years old it like really affected her because she just felt as she was making her first steps into the world she was being misunderstood and she had no control over her own narrative and you know so often you know you can give broad guidance right so you're like talking you know you can say things like you know just ignore what people say like focus on what you're doing and you know don't read the comments never go on twitter blah all of that stuff but it's it's so much happens in real time and is and is specific to that artist that you you can't there isn't a blanket bit of guidance you can give someone because you're you're often like reacting to where it's coming from because you don't and what it's in reaction to, like, is it to do with something you've posted, is it to do with a show you've done, is it to do with a brand alignment you've got, is it, to do, you know, all of these things come at you left, right, and center, and, you know, all they, all you can do is say, like, this is going to be tough, and you're going to feel it all the time, protect yourself, you know, some of our artists have got, you know, like, apps that time their amount of time that they have on Instagram, so that they don't just, like, go down a hole for, like, half the day, and, you know, some of them, I mean, everyone will be aware, Lana's chosen to come off socials now, so you know, it's definitely reaching a, you know, and the wider conversation of what's going on at the moment, right, like it's reaching a, it feels like a breaking point where this can't sustain, you know, you've got like a broad mental health issue that is affecting people all over the world in an unregulated industry that is like mining people's souls, and you know, artists are sort of, in one sense, complicit, because they're like, that is their means to market themselves, right, so they're like, they have to channel down this thing, and everybody leans into that, labels are like, you've what are you doing on TikTok, what are you doing on this, what are you doing on that, you've got to be this, 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 and we'll pile in behind you, but you're like, there, and that is the nature of the beast, right, so you're kind of like, all you can say is like, this is going to be hard, and steal yourself for it, because, but There is no other way right now to to kind of present yourself as an artist you've got to be willing to fight your way to the top and and protect yourself mentally by in whatever way that is so it's a it's a difficult question to answer because it's like you can't give a broad like couple of bits of advice it's it's you're in a firefight together it feels a bit sometimes you know
4: but you know i think that especially with our team anyway and and obviously like it said given our heavily female roster we experience a lot of it and I don't think we have a you know you, you can't have like a if we knew how to do everything I don't think the therapist would have a job frankly I mean we definitely spend a lot of time you know supporting and and talking through all these things like hours and hours on end and it's it's draining for the artists and and for for us as well. But I I think that, I don't know, you just start to develop a thicker skin. And I think if there's a silver lining, the pandemic has allowed for these conversations not to be hidden away as if it's shameful, you know, it's something that everybody needs to be able to speak to and talk about freely because, you know, it's happening to everybody. Like you don't have to be a famous celebrity and you know, to go through uh, all, all this mental health issues at this point.
0: When the artist is doing something that you might not personally agree with, or they're determined to-, to That dis- never
4: happens, Jen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I mean, do you just do you just like fall back into your facilitator? Do you just sort of? I mean, because I'm thinking about it, maybe my relationship with a boss or something like that, where you just state your opinion and they say what they want to do, and then you just move on. Is that is that kind of the
3: situation? I mean, it depends. Right. You know, some it depends. You know, an artist changes over their career, like anybody. You know, they grow up. They have different. You know, they've done so many albums. They've done one album. They've done different things in their life they have different priorities and you know you're you're on that journey together so you 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 know a lot of it is reacting to you know you can have your idea as like the manager and be like I'm going to give you this advice and you sometimes you're in sync and sometimes you're not and ultimately it's their career not mine right so all we can do is give our best advice and if we're in lockstep great if we're not then that's perfectly respect that and you know, there's definitely things in artists' careers where I'm like, we, really, you know, I don't think we should do that, and they'll want to do it, and they should have the right to do that. I mean, you know, there's obviously certain times where it can be really I'm trying to think of an example, but you know, if you were doing a show in a really controversial place and it's for a lot of money. So somebody's going, right, we'll pay them loads of money, this person, to come and like play a gig in a place where it's questionable whether you should play a show. Like what is your, and as a manager, you're like, look, this is why this is not what you should do because of X, Y, Z, and, but you know, it's your choice if you want to, but you know, this is probably the blowback you're going to get. Is that a risk you want to take? And the artist will think about it and you'll talk about it and they'll come to their conclusion. And once that decision made, you know, your job is there then to support them in that decision. So, you know, whichever way the penny lands, you're going to be like, okay, you've made that decision and now I will handle everything that needs to be handled, good or bad, because I'm employed by you. It's not the other way around. So I think that's, you know, often the misconception about management is it's like you're a service that is, you're employed by the artist. You're not, the you don't employ the artist. So Mm -hmm. People are often like, "Well, why did you let them do that?" Why? It's like it's not my career. I can give the best advice. I can give the worst advice. Whatever, it's going to be their decision ultimately.
4: I mean, our brand of management, anyway. Ed, that, that is not no, the philosophy across the board around the world.
3: Yeah, but you know, we're a big, we're a big, you know, we from the start. We, you know, and as I said at the top, it's just you know, good artists have a vision, and whether they need it finessing or whether they need it guiding if you work with the right artists, you should be able to trust in that vision and they will have their own, you know, agendas all the way through. So we're yeah. big believers in, in that, so.
4: And, and, you know, in contrast to a label, like we don't sign, you know, a ton of artists and just like throw them against the wall and see what sticks. Like that's not a strategy, strat- a right strategy for, for managers. And if that's what they're doing, then they're definitely gonna fall flat on their face because you know what what's the upside there? I mean, we don't. We're you know we typically tend to be smaller companies compared to like a major label, obviously. So um, I think that we have to have more focus and be more strategic about keeping our roster. I hate the word boutique but it kind of is you know for the for the tap way anyway you know we, we don't we're not trying to um, have our pick of everybody in different genres but we we want to work with artists who share our philosophy ultimately yeah
0: well, and they seem to and to look at a different challenge um, a, a completely unprecedented challenge that was probably extremely difficult for managers do a Lipa, put out her last album as the pandemic was beginning. It's a party record, it's a dance record. And she didn't delay it, she moved it up a week. And it's fascinating to me that the record is one of the breakthroughs of last year at a time when it was completely opposite of what was happening in the world. And there are other artists who put out, other major artists who put out records with similar vibes in the following weeks and months that did not have that success at all. What was that situation like? How did you guys confront it? And what do you feel like you did right? Do you know why it worked? Do you have a thought as to to why it worked apart from being a great record?
4: I mean, Jim, I can tell you that prior to the pandemic, we had done a year of setting up the record, like even when the record didn't exist yet, we were still setting it up, you know, and and a, you know, she's one of the most hardworking artists I've ever worked with in my entire career. And, um, you know, we went around to the radio stations, we played the music, we did all the things that, you know, you should do um, in setting up your sophomore album, frankly. And when it hit, I don't think any of us Truly understood the magnitude of what was going on. We certainly didn't expect to still be. I'm still at home in my kitchen right now. I mean, I, you know, it's almost two years. I nobody expected this. So when the when the lockdown hit, I think we were just scrambling and really going by our gut instinct. Um, We knew the music, which is the most important part, by the way, the music was very, very strong, you know, and we had a really uh, incredible artist that was very authentic and genuine and sincere to the core, especially in the way that she engaged with her fans. You know, there there was no doubt from anybody, whether you're a spectator, a gatekeeper or a fan, that she was the real deal. you know when it happened she went on Instagram live and she poured her heart out and I think that made a real impact too. I, I think a lot of people who watch that just thought like oh my god like she doesn't know what to do we none of us know what to do and we did what was best which is actually follow what Dua wanted you know because everything that Ed has been saying all the whole time like whether it's Lan or anybody else like You've got to trust in the artist's vision sometimes, especially when nobody else has a solution.
0: You've been listening to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. Thank you for listening.